Hello friends. Welcome to our show Every Stupid Question. Friends, I am Shakuntala Samyal, AGMN faculty at SBICB Hyderabad and your host for this show. Today, I have with me Mr. Saurav Jaiswal. Mr. Jaiswal is also an AGMN faculty at SBICB and has a considerable experience on complaint redressal mechanisms, functionings of banking ombudsman, copra, etc. So Saurav ji, welcome to our show Every Stupid Question where literally we welcome all stupid questions that come to our mind. Thank you Shakuntala. I have heard about your show and I am really impressed about it. Ultimately, answers exist where there is a question. If there is no question, there won't be any answer and probably there won't be any learning. So thank you once again. You are welcome. You know, I am not in a very jovial mood today. See, couple of minutes ago, I received a call from my friend. She is a branch manager in a branch in West Bengal. She sounded a bit worried. She told me that the complaint management system of our bank has undergone some changes. It seems every complaint now needs to be referred to some person called internal ombudsman. And that too before sending actual response to the customer. You must be knowing sort of how strict the tat of complaint resolution has become nowadays. So adding one more layer will complicate things. That's what I feel. What is your take on this? A small correction. Not all complaints will be referred to internal ombudsman. Only those complaints where we are not accepting customer's request, either partially or fully, will be referred to internal ombudsman. Cases of fraud, misappropriation or staff matters will not be referred. Also, cases involving commercial decisions, say rate of interest, will also not come under internal ombudsman purview. So your friend need not worry or stress on this issue. But why is it necessary? We already have a process in place and you will also agree with me there are frequent instances of delayed responses in some complaints from our end. So adding one more layer will only delay things further, isn't it? Not necessary. Objective is to ensure proper and speedy resolution of complaints and also reduce the burden of cases on the banking ombudsman. These are all implications of being the largest bank of the country, I suppose. We being one of the DCFs, we are always expected to have a foolproof process of everything under the sky, even at the cost of customer experience. Not really. This scheme is applicable to all scheduled commercial banks with 10 or more banking outlets. But yes, regional rural banks are excluded. So you see, the scheme is not limited to DCFs only. Okay, I understand that. But I'm still not clear about one thing. What kind of value addition this uh, IO will have? I mean, he will also be one of us, right? From our own bank, bound by the same process, SOPs of our own bank. So, you must agree the number of complaints are increasing day by day for various reasons. So, will it be even possible for the IO to handle all the cases on his own without delaying the matter further? Okay. See, banks can appoint multiple IOs with separate jurisdictions. Normally, IO will be a serving or retired person from bank, FI or regulatory body at least of DGM rank. 
the person should be less than 70 years of age and more importantly he or she should not be working or worked with the appointing bank so as an independent person he or she can examine the cases without bias and you know ayu also submits an analysis on root causes of complaints which can be used to sensitize our operating functionaries on critical issues i'm sorry saura but i'm still not convinced if he is an outsider things even get more complex how will he be judging our decisions whether they are correct or incorrect without knowing our processes our sops etc he may not even get access to our records to have an independent view of his own very relevant question shakuntala as per instructions applicable matters should be referred to io within 15 days from the date of complaint so as customer reply can be given within prescribed 30 days time frame also io can call for instructions sops records documents pertaining to the complaint and even seek clarification from complainant and call for a meeting with a bank officials concerned for taking a wholesome view all right all right you seem to have answers for all my stupid questions can i ask one more yes please it's your show say the io has given his verdict and for whatever reasons we do not want to agree or accept his decision in that case is there a way out or we have to always go by the io's decision hmm our discussion is moving on to a serious note io reports to the managing director of the bank and io's decision is binding on the bank but if bank decides not to accept the decision such decision should have md's approval and all such decisions will be reviewed by the customer service committee of the board interestingly if by any chance the bank does not accept io's decision and the customer subsequently goes to the banking ombudsman and banking ombudsman decision is the same as internal ombudsman decision bank can be subjected to appropriate enforcement action by rbi now i understand that we have to be extremely careful and judicious before deciding not to accept io's decision and you were also mentioning that there's a probability of rbi taking action also but considering the number or volume of complaints how will rbi keep track of this <laughs> don't think the oversight is not factored we are sending three reports to reserve bank of india one is a quarterly report on number of complaints received and number of partially or wholly rejected complaints escalated to io second is an annual report on the number of cases where the decision of io has been rejected of course this has to have the approval of md third is an annual report on number of cases closed by io and the age wise details of complaints where the decision of io is yet to be implemented In addition, IO shall also submit a periodic report of activities to the customer service committee of the board, preferably at quarterly intervals but not less than twice a year. That's great. I mean, mechanisms are already in place. But a st- small question still bothers me. Many a time complainants don't wait for our reply and they approach banking ombudsman directly. what should we do in those cases i was expecting this one see there are two scenarios in case 
complaint approaches banking ombudsman before io has given a decision we should call for a decision from io and incorporate it in the reply to banking ombudsman in second scenario if complaint subsequently approaches the banking ombudsman the decision of io should be incorporated in our reply to banking ombudsman i must agree that the scheme is very well intentioned well perceived and well designed however one small doubt still lingers in my mind does an io have adequate infrastructure does he have access to our banking systems otherwise it is going to be very difficult for him or her to scrutinize the complaints that are uh, being referred to him or her valid out shakuntala this aspect has also been taken care of io should be provided with proper infrastructure including officer support io should also have access to bank cms where he or she can peruse complaints not only that option for incorporating io's decision also needs to be given in bank's reply so you see all leaks are plugged hmm but sort of what if we miss out on reporting an eligible complaint to the io i mean we are all human beings and uh, cases of omissions and commissions will always be there so is there a process in place to plug those errors good question As part of risk assessment and supervisory review by Department of Banking Services of RBI, banks shall conduct an internal audit of the implementation of the scheme. And in due course, we'll also be integrating our CMS and CRM for effective implementation of this scheme. One final loose end has to be tied by you, Saurav, and it's a vital one. The IMO is appointed by our bank. and he will hold office till our bank desires so in case an io makes us uncomfortable or does not really play along he or she can be removed by the bank will it not erode the very purpose of it will it not erode the trust and credibility associated with the io scheme what do you think of it you really are after io isn't it shakuntala IO has a fixed tenure of not less than 3 years and not more than 5 years. He or she cannot be removed unless you obtain RBI's approval. Of course, once removed, IO will not be eligible for reappointment. So take comfort. I'm fully convinced now. What I have understood from you is the structure of IO is a second layer to our complaint redressal mechanism. Apart from effective and timely resolution, it will also prevent escalation of complaints to banking ombudsman and other consumer forums. Thank you very much, Saurav. Thank you, Shakuntala. And thank you very much, all our listeners. We will come back with a new episode with new stupid questions. So keep listening. well uh, that was a very informative discussion on the topic of internal ombudsman uh, let us summarize the learnings now uh, to start off rbi has uh, mandated all scheduled commercial banks with more than 10 offices in the country to appoint an internal ombudsman internal ombuds- ombudsman has been appointed with a view to ensure proper and speedy resolution of complaints by an independent apex level authority within the bank further bank can appoint as many as ios ios as in the internal ombudsman as per requirement uh, 
However, the person appointed should be a serving or retired DGM rank official from bank or any financial institutions and should be less than 70 years of age. Significantly, he should not have served or be serving the bank where he she is proposed to be appointed as an internal ombudsman. Again, internal ombudsman has a minimum tenure of three years and a maximum of five years and cannot be removed without Reserve Bank of India's permission. IO shall not accept complaints directly. Complaints go through bank's existing redressal system and only those complaints which are fully or partly declined by the bank will be referred to IO. As already discussed, cases of frauds, misappropriation are not at all covered here. Cases uh, should be referred to the IO within two weeks from date of receipt of complaint. And finally, replies to the complainant should mention that the reply has been examined by the internal ombudsman. Further, decision of the IO is binding on the bank. That's very important. In case bank disagrees with the decision of the IO, bank can obtain approval from the DMD or the Chief Operating Officer. All such cases will be reviewed by Customer Service Committee of the Board. Further, IO will submit a review of complaints to the Customer Service Committee of the Board, preferably every quarter but at least twice a year. Again, the root cause analysis of complaints made by the IO should be used to sensitize operating staff in training sessions. Decisions of the IO on the complaint shall necessarily form a part of all banks replies to the banking ombudsman. Three reports in the specified format are to be submitted to the Reserve Bank of India. One is every quarter. Now this report on total, this report will contain total complaints received, number of partly or wholly rejected complaints and number of complaints escalated to IO. Again annually in April there are two reports which will contain Number of cases where decisions of IO has been rejected with approval of competent authority. And again, number of cases closed by IO and age-wise number of cases where decision of IO is yet to be implemented. That is all the summary about IO or internal ombudsman. Thank you. Well, that was a very informative discussion on the topic of internal ombudsman. Now let us summarize the learnings. Reserve Bank of India has mandated all scheduled commercial banks with more than 10 offices in the country to appoint an internal ombudsman. Internal ombudsman or IO has been appointed with a view to ensure proper and speedy resolution of complaints by an independent apex level authority within the bank. Bank can appoint as many as IOs as per requirement. However, the person Appointed should be a serving or retired DGM rank official from a bank or a financial institution and should be less than 70 years of age. Importantly, he should not have served or be serving the bank where he she is proposed to be appointed as an internal ombudsman. IO or internal ombudsman has a minimum tenure of three years and a maximum of five years and cannot be removed without Reserve Bank of India's permission. IO shall not accept complaints directly. In fact, complaints go through bank's existing redressal system and only those complaints which are fully or partly declined by the bank will be referred to IO. More importantly, cases of frauds, 
misappropriation are not at all covered. Cases should be referred to the IO within two weeks from date of receipt of complaint and the final replies to the complainants should mention that the reply has been examined by the IO. Decision of the IO is binding on the bank. In case bank disagrees with the decision of the IO, bank may obtain approval of the DMD coup. All such cases will be reviewed by the customer service committee of the board. Further to it, IO will submit a review of complaints to the customer service committee of the board, preferably every quarter, but at least twice a year. Again, the root cause analysis of complaints made by the IO should be used to sensitize operating staff in training sessions. Decision of the IO on the complaint shall necessarily form a part of all banks replies to the banking ombudsman. Three reports in this specified format are to be submitted to Reserve Bank of India. First report goes every quarter. The report on total complaints received number of partly or wholly rejected complaints and the number of complaints escalated to the internal ombudsman. Again annually in April there are two reports which contains number of cases where a decision of IO has been rejected with approval of competent authority and second number of cases closed by IO and age-wise number of cases where decision of IO is yet to be implemented. That is all about the summary of internal ombudsman. Thank you. Let's have a quick look at the standard operating procedure regarding internal ombudsman. Bank has prescribed a detailed standard operating procedure or SOP for escalation of complaints to internal ombudsman. The SOP is available on customer service department site on info.sbi. Let us summarize the salient features of the SOP. First, complaints will be escalated to internal ombudsman either from GITC dealing with ATM and technology related complaints or from the circles RBO, AO, LHO rejecting a complaint partly or wholly shall not close the complaint. In fact, they will escalate it to IO or internal ombudsman for examination online through CMS or CRM. Then all complaints mandatorily will be routed through CMS or CRM. Official responsible for closure of complaints in CMS or CRM at branch, RBO, AO, LHO shall prepare a backup of negative closures in a register or Excel sheet and get it authenticated by the HOD. DGM, CM and CS at LHOs shall be the nodal officer for escalating complaints in their area of operation to IO. Escalation shall be done in the prescribed format. In case of branch, RBO, AO, it shall be sent to DGM, CM and CS through their controllers. Again, advanced copy of the same is to be sent by email. Appropriate remarks regarding status of the complaint shall be recorded in CMS or CRM at different levels while escalating to the next higher level. Now, let's spend some time understanding how to handle first resort complaints received by banking ombudsman or internal ombudsman. 
first resort complaints shall be forwarded to the DGM CM and CS who shall forward it to the branch concerned for redressal. Again, DGM CM and CS shall send an acknowledgement to banking ombudsman or internal ombudsman advising that the complaint being first resort will be dealt by the redressal mechanism of the bank. Wherever there are negative closures, such cases will be escalated to the IO. Let's also discuss implementation of decisions of internal ombudsman. If IO or internal ombudsman agrees with the decision, the same shall be advised to the complainant. If IO disagrees with bank's decision, the decision of IO has to be implemented. If the internal ombudsman decision merits reconsideration, same may be taken up with DMDQ for approval. Such references shall be exceptional with strong justification. Cases of disagreement shall be reported to Reserve Bank of India as prescribed. That's all about the SOP on internal ombudsman. Thank you. Let's have a quick look at the standard operating procedure regarding internal ombudsman. Bank has prescribed a detailed standard operating procedure or SOP for escalation of complaints to internal ombudsman. The SOP is available on customer service department site on info.sbi. Let us summarize the salient features of the SOP. First, complaints will be escalated to internal ombudsman either from GITC dealing with ATM and technology related complaints or from the circles RBO, AO, LHO rejecting a complaint partly or wholly shall not close the complaint. In fact, they will escalate it to IO or internal ombudsman for examination online through CMS or CRM. Then all complaints mandatorily will be routed through CMS or CRM. Official responsible for closure of complaints in CMS or CRM at branch, RBO, AO, LHO shall prepare a backup of negative closures in a register or Excel sheet and get it authenticated by the HOD. DGM, CM and CS at LHOs shall be the nodal officer for escalating complaints in their area of operation to IO. Escalation shall be done in the prescribed format. In case of branch, RBO, AO, it shall be sent to DGM, CM and CS through their controllers. Again, advance copy of the same is to be sent by email. Appropriate remarks regarding status of the complaint shall be recorded in CMS or CRM at different levels while escalating to the next higher level. Now, let's spend some time understanding how to handle first resort complaints received by banking ombudsman or internal ombudsman. First resort complaints shall be forwarded to the DGM CM and CS who shall forward it to the branch concerned for redressal. Again, DGM CM and CS shall send an acknowledgement to banking ombudsman or internal ombudsman advising that the complaint being first resort will be dealt by the redressal mechanism of the bank. Wherever there are negative closures, such cases will be escalated to the IO. 
let's also discuss implementation of decisions of internal ombudsman if io or internal ombudsman agrees with the decision the same shall be advised to the complainant if io disagrees with bank's decision the decision of io has to be implemented if the internal ombudsman decision merits reconsideration same may be taken up with dmdq for approval such references shall be exceptional with strong justification cases of disagreement shall be reported to reserve bank of india as prescribed that's all about the sop on internal ombudsman thank you hello friends welcome to our show sbicb on air friends i'm shakuntala sanyal agm and faculty at sbicb hyderabad and your host for the show through sbicb on air we would like to bring to you learnings associated with everyday aspects of banking today i have with me mr saurav jaiswal mr jaiswal is also an agm and faculty at sbicb and has a considerable experience in complaint redressal mechanisms functioning of banking ombudsman copra etc so saurav ji welcome to our show sbicb on air where we share with our audience different banking concepts with an intention to make them simpler and practicable thank you shakuntala i have heard about the show and i'm happy to join it it's definitely a creative initiative of sbicb where we take seemingly complex ideas and convert them into chunks of workable business habits thank you once again welcome saurav you know i'm a bit depressed today see couple of minutes ago i received a call from my friend she is a branch manager at some branch in west bengal she sounded a bit worried and told me that the complaint management system of our bank has undergone some changes recently it seems all the responses to the customer complaints are now to be referred to someone called internal ombudsman and that too before sending the response to the customer concern you must be knowing sort of how strict the tat for complaint resolution has become these days now adding one more layer will make things more complicated that's what i feel what's your take on that a small correction not all complaints will be referred to internal ombudsman only those complaints where we are not accepting customers request either partially or fully will be referred to internal ombudsman cases of fraud misappropriation or staff matters will not be referred also cases involving commercial decisions say rate of interest will not come under internal ombudsman purview so your friend need not worry or stress on this issue but why is it necessary we already have a process in place honestly speaking sometimes there are instances of delayed response from our end also for various reasons now adding one more layer will result in further delay isn't it see the objective is to ensure proper and speedy resolution of complaints and also reduce the burden of cases on the banking ombudsman these are all implications of being the largest bank of the country i feel we being one of the dcs are always expected to have full proof system for everything under the sky even if it is at the expense of customer convenience not really 
This scheme is applicable to all scheduled commercial banks with 10 or more banking outlets. But yes, regional rural banks are excluded. So the scheme is not limited to DCIPs only. Okay, I understand that. But I'm still not clear about one thing. What kind of value addition this IO will have? I mean, he will also be from our own bank and will also be bound by the same processes. Given the huge number of complaints, will he be able to even manage them without delaying the matter? Banks can appoint multiple IOs with separate jurisdictions. Normally, IO will be a serving or retired person from bank or financial institution or regulatory body at least of DGM rank. The person should be less than 70 years of age. More importantly, he or she should not be working or worked with the appointing bank. So as an independent person, he or she can examine the cases without bias. And you know, IO also submits an analysis on root causes of complaints, which can be used to sensitize our operating functionaries on critical issues. I'm sorry, Saurabh, but I'm still not convinced. If he is an outsider, things get even more complex. How will he be judging our decisions? whether they are correct or not, without knowing our processes. He may not even get access to our records to have an independent view of his own. Very relevant question, Shakuntla. As per instructions, applicable matters should be referred to IO within 15 days from the date of complaint, so as customer reply can be given within prescribed 30 days time frame. Also, IO can call for instructions, SOPs, records, documents pertaining to the complaint and even seek clarification from complainant and call for a meeting with the bank officials concerned for taking a wholesome view. All right, all right. You seem to have answers for all my questions. Can I ask one more? Yes, please. It's your show. Say the IO has given his verdict, but somehow we are not agreeable or do not want to accept his view. Do we have some way out or we have to always go by IO's decisions? Mm. Our discussion is moving on to a serious note. IO's decision is binding on the bank. If bank decides not to accept the decision, such decision should have the approval of competent authority. And all such decisions will be reviewed by the customer service committee of the board. Interestingly, if by any chance, the bank does not accept IO's decision and the customer subsequently goes to the banking ombudsman. And banking ombudsman decision is the same as internal ombudsman. Bank can be subjected to appropriate enforcement action by RBI. Hmm. Now I understand that we have to be very careful and judicious before deciding not to accept IO's decision. And you have also mentioned that there's a probability of RBI taking action against us. But considering the volume of complaints, how will RBI keep track of things? Uh -uh. Don't think the oversight is not factored. In fact, we are sending three reports to Reserve Bank of India. One is a quarterly report on number of complaints received and number of partially wholly rejected complaints escalated to IO. Second is an annual report on the number of cases 
where the decision of IO has been rejected. Of course, this has to have approval of competent authority. Third is an annual report on number of cases closed by IO and the age-wise details of complaints where the decision of IO is yet to be implemented. In addition, IO shall also submit a periodic report of activities to the customer service committee of the board, preferably at quarterly intervals but not less than twice a year. That's great. I mean, mechanisms are already in place then. But a small question is still bothering me. Many a time complainants don't wait for our reply and approach the banking ombudsman directly. What should we do in such cases? I was expecting this one. See, there are two scenarios. In case, complainant approaches banking ombudsman before IO has given a decision. We should call for decision from IO and incorporate it in the reply to banking ombudsman. In second scenario, if complainant subsequently approaches the banking ombudsman, the decision of IO should be incorporated in our reply to banking ombudsman. I must agree that the scheme is very well intentioned, well perceived and well designed. However, one small doubt still lingers in my mind. Does an IO have adequate infrastructure? Or does he have access to our system? Otherwise, it would be very difficult for the IO to scrutinize the complaints referred to him or her. Valid doubt. This aspect has also been taken care of. IO should be provided with proper infrastructure, including officer support. IO should also have access to bank CMS where he or she can peruse complaints. Not only that, option for incorporating IO's remarks also needs to be given in bank's reply. So, all leaks are plugged, Shakuntala. Saurav, what if we miss out on reporting an eligible complaint to the IO? I mean, we are all human beings and cases of omissions and commissions will always be there. Is there a process in place to plug those errors? Good question. As part of risk assessment and supervisory review by Department of Banking Services of RBI, banks shall conduct an internal audit of the implementation of the scheme. In due course, we'll also be integrating our CMS and CRM for effective implementation. One final loose end has to be tied by you, Saurav, and it's a vital one. The IO is appointed by our bank and he will hold office till our bank desires. So, in case an IO makes us uncomfortable or does not really play along, he or she can be removed by the bank. Will it not erode the very purpose of the scheme? Will it not affect the trust and credibility associated with the Office of Internal Ombudsman? What do you think of it? You are really after IO Shakuntala. IO has a fixed tenure of not less than three years and not more than five years. He or she cannot be removed unless you obtain RBI's approval. And IO is also not eligible for reappointment. I am fully convinced now. What I have understood is the office of IO is a second layer to our complaint redressal mechanism. Apart from effective and timely resolution, it will also prevent escalation of complaints to banking ombudsman and other consumer forums. Thank you, Saurav. Thank you, Shakuntala. And thank you, all our listeners. 
I request you all to stay tuned to listen to the summary of the scheme and related SOP. We will come back with a new episode with a new topic. So keep listening. Hello friends. Welcome to our show SPICB On Air. Friends, I am Shakuntala Samyal, AGML faculty at SPICB Hyderabad and your host for the show. Through SPICB On Air, we would like to bring to you learnings associated with everyday aspects of banking. Today I have with me Mr. Saurav Jaswal. Mr. Jaswal is also an AGML faculty at SPICB and has a considerable experience in complaint redressal mechanisms, functioning of banking ombudsman, COPRA, etc. So Saurabhji, welcome to our show SPICB On Air, where we share with our audience different banking concepts with an intention to make them simpler and practicable. Thank you Shakuntala. I have heard about the show and I am happy to join it. It's definitely a creative initiative of SPICB where we take seemingly complex ideas and convert them into chunks of workable business habits. Thank you once again. Welcome, Sada. You know, I'm a bit depressed today. See, couple of minutes ago, I received a call from one of my friends. She is a branch manager at some branch in West Bengal. She sounded a bit worried and told me that the complaint management system of our bank has undergone some changes recently. It seems all the responses to the customer complaints are now to be referred to someone called internal ombudsman and that too before sending the response to the customer concern. You must be knowing sort of how strict the tat for complaint resolution has become these days. Now adding one more layer will make things more complicated. That's what I feel. What's your take on that? A small correction, not all complaints will be referred to internal ombudsman. Only those complaints where we are not accepting customer's request, either partially or fully, will be referred to internal ombudsman. Cases of fraud, misappropriation or staff matters will not be referred. Also cases involving commercial decisions, say rate of interest, will not come under internal ombudsman purview. So your friend need not worry or stress on this issue. But why is it necessary? We already have a process in place. Honestly speaking, sometimes there are instances of delayed response uh, to complaints from our end also for various reasons. Now adding one more layer will result in further delay, isn't it? See, the objective is to ensure proper and speedy resolution of complaints and also reduce the burden of cases on the banking ombudsman. These are all implications of being the largest bank of the country, I feel. We being one of the DCs are always expected to have foolproof system for everything under the sky, even if it is at the expense of customer convenience. Not really. This scheme is applicable to all scheduled commercial banks with 10 or more banking outlets. But yes, Regional rural banks are excluded, so the scheme is not limited to DCIPs only. Okay, I understand that, but I am still not clear about one thing. What kind of value addition this IO will have? I mean, he will also be from our own bank 
and will be bound by the same processes sops etc given the huge number of complaints will he be able to even manage them without delaying the matter banks can appoint multiple ios with separate jurisdictions normally io will be a serving or retired person from bank or financial institution or regulatory body at least of dgm rank the person should be less than 70 years of age more importantly he or she should not be working or worked with a appointing bank so as an independent person he or she can examine the cases without bias and you know io also submits an analysis on root causes of complaints which can be used to sensitize our operating functionaries on critical issues i'm sorry saurav but i'm still not convinced if he is an outsider things get even more complex how will he be judging our decisions whether they're correct or not without knowing our processes he may not even get access to our records to have an independent view of his own very relevant question shakuntala as per instructions applicable matters should be referred to io within 15 days from the date of complaint so as customer reply can be given within the prescribed 30 days time frame also io can call for instructions sops records documents pertaining to the complaint and even seek clarification from the complainant and call for a meeting with a bank officials concerned for taking a wholesome view all right all right you seem to have answers for all my questions can i ask one more yes please it's your show say the io has given his verdict but somehow we are not agreeable or do not want to accept his view do we have some way out or we have to always go by io's decision hmm our discussion is moving on to a serious note io's decision is binding on the bank if bank decides not to accept the decision such decision should have approval of competent authority and all such decisions will be reviewed by the customer service committee of the board interestingly if by any chance the bank does not accept io's decision and the customer subsequently goes to the banking ombudsman and banking ombudsman decision is the same as internal ombudsman bank can be subjected to appropriate enforcement action by rbi hmm now i understand that we have to be very careful and judicious before deciding not to accept io's decision and you have also mentioned that there's a probability of rbi taking action against us but considering the number of complaints how will rbi keep track of things uh uh don't think the oversight is not factored in fact we are sending three reports to reserve bank of india one is a quarterly report on number of complaints received and number of partially wholly rejected complaints escalated to io second is an annual report on the number of cases where the decision of io has been rejected of course this has to have the approval of competent authority third is an annual report on number of cases closed by io and the age wise details of complaints where the decision of io is yet to be implemented in addition io shall also submit a periodic report of activities to the customer service committee of the board 
preferably at uh, quarterly intervals, but not less than twice a year. That's great. I mean, mechanisms are already in place then. But a small question is still bothering me. Many a time, complainants don't wait for our reply and approach the banking ombudsman directly. What should we do in such cases? I was expecting this one. See, there are two scenarios. In case, complainant approaches banking ombudsman before IO has given a decision. We should call for decision from IO and incorporate it in the reply to banking ombudsman. In second scenario, if complainant subsequently approaches the banking ombudsman, the decision of IO should be incorporated in our reply to banking ombudsman. I must agree that the scheme is very well intentioned, well perceived and well designed. However, one small doubt still lingers in my mind. Doesn't IO have adequate infrastructure? Or does he have access to our system? Otherwise, it would be very difficult for the IO to scrutinize all the complaints referred to him or her. Valid doubt. This aspect has also been taken care of. IO should be provided with proper infrastructure, including officer support. IO should also have access to bank CMS, where he or she can peruse complaints. Not only that, option for incorporating IO's remarks also needs to be given in bank's reply. So, all leaks are plugged, Shakuntala. Saurav, what if we miss out on reporting an eligible complaint to the IO? I mean, we are all human beings and cases of omissions and commissions will always be there. Is there a process in place to plug those errors? Good question. As part of risk assessment and supervisory review by Department of Banking Services of RBI, banks shall conduct an internal audit of the implementation of the scheme. In due course, we will also be integrating our CMS and CRM for effective implementation. One final loose end has to be tied by you, Saurav, and it's a vital one. The IO is appointed by our bank and he will hold office till our bank desires. So in case an IO makes us uncomfortable or does not really play along, he or she can be removed by the bank. Will it not erode the very purpose of the scheme? Will it not affect the trust and credibility associated with the Office of Internal Ombudsman? What do you think of it? You are really after IO Shakuntala, isn't it? IO has a fixed tenure of not less than 3 years and not more than 5 years. He or she cannot be removed unless you obtain RBI's approval. And IO is also not eligible for reappointment. I am fully convinced now. What I have understood is the office of IO is a second layer to our complaint redressal mechanism. Apart from effective and timely resolution, it will also prevent escalation of complaints to banking ombudsman and consumer forums. Thank you very much, Saurav. Thank you, Shakuntala. And thank you all our listeners. I request you all to stay tuned to listen to the summary of the scheme and related SOP. We will come back with a new episode with a new topic. So keep listening. Hello friends. Welcome to SBICB On Air, our online chat show. Through this show, we bring to listeners various banking concepts in a simple, 
easy to understand manner. My name is Saurabh Jaiswal and I have with me Shri Hari Ayer. Together, we will be discussing the provisions of Consumer Protection Act 2019. Wait, wait. What is the topic of discussion? Consumer Protection Act 2019. Consumer Protection? Then how can you talk about this act without talking to a consumer? Are, but who are you? And why have you thus barged into the show? I am Ramdas Kamath, a consumer, R.K. Lakshman's common man. I am the basis on which all organizations thrive. Without me, there is no business, there is no development. Okay, okay. Uh, what do you think, Hari? Should we make him a part of the show? I think he has a point. Without him or other consumers, we would be nowhere. It would make good sense to have a consumer on the show. Yes, you are right. Mr. Kamath, welcome. We are pleased to have you on our show. Thanks. But there will be role reversal today. I will ask the questions and you people will answer. Otherwise, you will choose easy questions and talk among yourselves. And the points in which we are interested in will be left out. That is fine with us. You mentioned in your introduction that you are a consumer. Have you any idea at all about who is a consumer? Why not? I am a consumer, a person who buys any good or avails any service for a consideration. Consideration? Does it have to be full consideration or is part consideration allowed? See, the consideration may have been fully paid, partly paid or under a system of deferred payment arrangement. But a consumer cannot be a person who has bought goods for resale to another. Oh good. So you must be knowing your rights also? Of course. I have the right to be protected against marketing of goods, products or services which are hazardous to life and property. Nobody can take me for granted as I have the right to be informed about the quality, quantity, potency, purity, standard and price of goods, products and services as the case may be. I have the right to be assured of a variety of goods, products or services at competitive prices wherever possible. I have also the right to be heard and assured that my interest will receive due consideration. In case of any unfair trade practice or restrictive trade practices or unscrupulous exploitation, I have the right to be heard. And last but not the least, I have the right for consumer awareness. That means Jago Grahak Jago. Yes. I am happy to note that you are well aware of your rights. But do you know what to do if your rights are infringed? Yes. I will complain to the vendor who sold me the goods or the bank which did not give me the service. If required, I will go to the court of law. You need not go to courts. Courts are already burdened with a lot of other cases. Therefore, there is a separate structure under the Consumer Protection Act specifically for redressal of consumer complaints. Do you mean to say I can complain against anything? Look, you can lodge a complaint whenever your rights are invaded. That means you can complain if there is a defect in product or deficiency in service. You can also complain if the price charged to you is in excess of the value of good or service or if it is a sale of hazardous goods in contravention of law. Complaints can also be made if you are offered hazardous services or against any unfair trade practice or restrictive trade practice. Please note that you can complain if there is a product liability involved. Product liability? Now what is this new concept? Product liability means 
the responsibility of a product manufacturer or product seller of any product or service to compensate for any harm caused to a consumer by such defective product manufactured or sold or by deficiency in services relating thereto what if i do not want to complain alone as an individual i may be weak to file a complaint against big entities who may have multiple lawyers at their disposal not only you but any voluntary consumer association registered under any law for the time being in force or the central government or any state government or the central authority or one or more consumers where there are numerous consumers having the same interest can lodge a complaint oh good but you know one thing just crossed my mind things are becoming difficult now supposing there is a deficiency in service and consumer want to make a complaint but he or she dies before doing so then in that unfortunate event there is a provision in the act that in case of death of a consumer the legal heir or legal representative can file the complaint oh that means the dependents are taken care of even if the primary buyer is not alive another doubt say uh, my son who is a minor buy some goods or service which turns out to be defective the act has taken care of this eventuality also in case the consumer is a minor the parent or legal guardian can file the complaint on his or her behalf okay that reminds me of a problem i faced i think it will make a sense to lodge a complaint for deficiency in service am i required to go personally to the place where the complaint is to be lodged who will bear the expenses if the place where i have to complain is far away and inconvenient i may have to perforce drop the idea of making a complaint no 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 that would not be necessary the act is enacted in a manner to facilitate the consumer a complaint can be lodged by the complainant at the place of his or her residence or workplace the complaint can be filed electronically and the act also allows holding hearings through video conferencing so you need not spend much on travel only nominal fees for lodging a complaint needs to be paid wow looks good but does the money involved in the case make a difference on the place where i can complain is there any hierarchy here like courts that is lower court session court high court supreme court yes there is a three tiered structure for lodging a complaint depending upon the claim amount involved at district level we have got district commission at state level we have got state commission and at national level we have got national commission if the value of goods or services paid as consideration is up to rupees 1 crore we file complaint in district commission if the value exceeds rupees 1 crore and is up to rupees 10 crores we move state commission and where the value paid as consideration exceeds rupees 10 crores we will file complaint with the national commission all the commissions shall have the power of a judicial magistrate of first class can i lodge a complaint any time i choose my neighbor noticed some discrepancies in bank account recently some of the entries are very old bank has refused to look into the matter saying that he should have come to the bank at the relevant time see the district commission the state commission or the national commission shall admit a complaint only if it is filed within 2 years from the date on which the cause of action has arisen oh 2 years that means i have sufficient time to lodge a complaint not only that a complaint may be entertained even after the specified period 
if the complainant satisfies that he or she had sufficient cause for not filing the complaint within such period. Okay. Supposing I have lodged a complaint. How, how will I come to know whether my complaint has been accepted or not? See, on receipt of a complaint, the commission may by order admit the complaint for being proceeded with or reject the same. A complaint shall not be rejected unless an opportunity of being heard has been given to the complainant. The admissibility of the complaint shall ordinarily be decided within 21 days from the date on which the complaint was filed. Oh, good. Suppose that my complaint has been accepted and decided upon. If I am not satisfied with the decision, will I have to bear the loss or can I approach a higher authority? Good question. There is an appellate authority prescribed under the Act. Any person aggrieved by an order made by the District Commission may prefer an appeal against such order to the State Commission on the grounds of facts or law within a period of 45 days from the date of the order. If you are not satisfied with State Commission decision, you may prefer an appeal against such order to the National Commission within a period of 30 days from the date of the order. And if you are aggrieved by the National Commission order, you may prefer an appeal against such order to the Supreme Court within a period of 30 days from the date of the order. All orders made by any of the commissions shall be enforced by it in the same manner as if it were a decree made by a court in a suit before it. See, being a consumer, I was not aware of all these things. Thank you so much for giving me such valuable information. From now onwards, I will be alert and educate others too. Welcome, sir. That's why we say, Jago Grahak Jago. Friends, that was a good interaction in trying to understand the basics of the Consumer Protection Act 2019, which was enacted in August 2019 after the earlier act was repealed. We shall now try to understand some other support mechanisms envisaged under the act. The central government shall establish a central consumer protection authority to regulate matters relating to violation of rights of consumers, unfair trade practices, and false or misleading advertisements which are prejudicial to the interests of public and consumers and to promote, protect, and enforce the rights of consumers as a class. Headed by a chief commissioner, it can also intervene in any proceedings before the district commission or the state commission or the national commission as the case may be in respect of any allegation of violation of consumer rights or unfair trade practices. In addition to the central authority, there will be a Consumer Protection Council constituted for rendering advice on promotion and protection of the consumer's rights under this Act. There would be a Central Consumer Protection Council at national level, State Consumer Protection Council at state level, and a District Consumer Protection Council at district level. The Act also has a provision for establishment of a consumer medicine cell. The Act prescribes for establishment of consumer medicine cell at district level, state level and national level. The consumer medicine cell will be attached to respective commissions. Pursuant to mediation, if an agreement is reached between the parties with respect to all of the issues involved in the consumer dispute or with respect to only some of the issues, the terms of such agreement shall be reduced to writing accordingly and signed by the parties to such dispute or their authorized representatives. 
the commission shall within 7 days of the receipt of the settlement report pass suitable order regarding such settlement of consumer dispute and dispose of the matter accordingly well we now bring our module on consumer protection act 2019 to an end please give your valuable suggestions and keep in touch with this site regularly for more episodes of sbicb on air so keep listening friends we have just now heard a detailed discussion on the consumer protection act 2019 the discussions enabled us to grab the various provisions of the act with reference to redressal of customer grievance it is always advisable to present no occasion where a customer needs to approach the consumer courts for redressal however in the event of any such complaint being received or filed before the consumer forum we need to ensure that our defense is presented properly and at no stage does the bank remains unrepresented bank has prescribed a detailed sop in this regard and the sop is available on the customer service department site on info.sbi salient features are summarized for your information on receipt of the complaint examine the contents of the complaint and if prima facie any deficiency of service is found then branch should take steps to settle the claim at that stage itself such grievance shall be settled within a maximum period of 7 days if there is no deficiency of service then a suitable reply should be given to the complainant in case the nature of complaint so warrants reply may be prepared by empaneled advocate and signed by the bank's officials if the complaint is in the form of a legal notice the reply shall invariably be prepared and sent under the signature of an advocate reply should be comprehensive and substantiated by records circulars and guidelines now we discuss cases filed by the customer with the consumer forum without actually raising a complaint with the bank as soon as the bank receives summons from the consumer forum the details of the case should be entered in sbi litmus software if by chance enclosures supporting documents are not received along with the complaint branch shall immediately entrust the matter to an advocate by executing a vakalatnama and request the advocate to secure the copies on receipt of such papers bank shall examine the veracity of the complaint thereof in case of deficiency of service branch should take action to settle the claim with the approval of the competent authority and get a letter from the complainant that the grievance has been settled branch shall then identify a panel advocate and execute vakalatnama and get a written version prepared by providing the material and documents in case top management officials are implicated advocate may be advised to inform the court that the branch will represent the top management when the complaint is resolved branch should file a written version in the consumer forum on the first date of appearance that is the first hearing date through the bank's advocate stating that the complainant has agreed to withdraw the case the letter of the complainant should support this written submission case should be followed up with the advocate to ensure that it is withdrawn in case no deficiency is found bank has to contest the case by filing a detailed written version defending bank's action 
bank should provide the panel advocate with a write up advising the facts and support it with documents to enable advocate to prepare a detailed reply if branch has sent a reply to the complainant earlier before referring to the advocate copy of this reply should be given to the advocate the entire exercise should be completed within a time frame of 5 working days thereafter panel advocate should submit the draft written version within 7 days from receipt of these papers on receipt of the draft written version branch should send it along with the documents to the controller for scrutiny controller will at this stage examine the complaint to decide if it merits consideration if it does not controller should send the draft written version to the law officer of the module for legal vetting at their end once vetted by the law officer and the changes made as suggested the final written version must be filed with the consumer forum along with documents through an advocate the written version must be filed in the consumer forum within 45 days from the date of service of summons and further adjournments may not be granted by the court branch controllers shall maintain a mirror file of replies documents and follow up with advocates for developments dates of hearing etc usually evidence in consumer courts take place by way of affidavits however in certain cases complainant may be permitted to cross examine the bank's witnesses in such an event bank's witness should be briefed properly the law officer or the advocate may help uh, in such a briefing when consumer forum posts the matter for final arguments it must be ensured that written arguments are filed by the bank's advocate now we discuss the action to be taken on receipt of the final order or judgment from the consumer forum if the case is decided in favor of the bank copy of the judgment be kept in the branch file and also sent to controllers update in sbi litmus suitably if the case is decided against the bank enter the details in sbi litmus and obtain certified copies immediately so that the limitation period for appeal does not expire advocate on record should along with the certified copy offer opinion on the course of action to be undertaken by the bank branch should forward the advocate's opinion with their recommendations to the controller within 3 days controller should obtain the opinion of the law officer in case where bank has an appealable grounds to challenge such an order and on cost benefit analysis it is opined that it is viable controller should submit the recommendations to general manager network within 7 days if no appealable grounds are available or if the cost benefit is not found viable then controller may instruct the branch to comply with the order bopm department lho may on receipt of the recommendations from the module if felt necessary seek opinion of the law department and place it before the general manager network for approval or otherwise as limitation period for filing the appeal is 30 days from the date of receipt of order we need to take expeditious action the process up to approval needs to be completed within 20 days so that there is sufficient time for filing the appeal 
इन केस ऑफ एक्सट्रीम अर्जेंसी डीजीएम मॉड्यूल में परमिट फाइलिंग ऑफ अपील एंड सीक पोस्ट फैक्टो अप्रूवल ऑफ द जनरल मैनेजर आफ्टर रिसिप्ट ऑफ द अप्रूवल ब्रांच नीड्स टू फाइल द अपील विद इन द स्टैच्यूटरी पीरियड एट द स्टेट कमीशन और द नेशनल कमीशन द अपील ड्राफ्टेड बाय द एम्पैनल एडवोकेट मे बी वेटेड बाय लॉ ऑफिसर एट द एओ टू एंश्योर दैट ऑल ग्राउंड्स आर कवर्ड एन इंटरम एप्लीकेशन सीकिंग स्टे ऑफ ऑपरेशन ऑफ ऑर्डर शेल ऑल्सो बी फाइल्ड अलॉन्ग विद द अपील अपेलेट कोर्स में रिक्वायर द ब्रांचेस और द बैंक to deposit a portion of the amount granted by the lower court this should be arranged details of the appeal should be entered in sbi litmus the entire process should be updated in sbi litmus stage wise we should also follow up with the advocates and obtain periodical status report wherever written submissions are to be made on a continuous basis these should be answered properly at no stage should it happen that the bank remains unrepresented and an ex parte decision is awarded so finally follow up the case on a regular basis friends these are difficult times and difficult times are the period when we innovate and suitably evolve to be in readiness to face challenges i am hari ayer djm and faculty at sbicb hyderabad and i have with me today shrimati lakshmi srinivas general manager and director sbicb welcome to sbicb on air ma'am thank you so much hari for inviting me today i'm really happy to be on the show somebody has pressed the pause button and our world has stopped our business has come to a halt our regular workplace activities are moving in slow motion what about training at sbicb has corona hit it hard to Uh, we are experiencing unprecedented change due to covid-19 economic activity is at a standstill the world as you see has seemed to stop in its tracks educational institutions are not exempt the pandemic has hit educational institutions in india at a very critical time during the last quarter of the year for sbicb however march and april are the months when we do the annual review of our manuals and question banks and also work on our eagerly awaited publications this year too all the nine certification manuals were completely rewritten discarding the outmoded and adding new material and formatted in a way as to render them pleasing to read new question banks were prepared in tune with the changes a new certification program for officials and admin officers was also developed During this time SBICB published its trademark annual publication Banking Briefs and its quarterly newsletter SBIC Buzz Syllogy the latest addition to its illustrious list of publications is under process now so even while scrupulously following lockdown discipline SBICB I would say was a beehive of activity wow sounds great ma'am given the challenges of upskilling and reskilling in business particularly in the banking business where change is the only constant would it be right to consider any sort of pause on training as isaac asimov has said education is not something you can finish i would take the liberty of tweaking his words to add education is not something you can keep on hold either 
Fortunately for us, we are in an age where the process of teaching and learning does not require the physical presence of teacher and learner in the same classroom. Upskilling and reskilling is a continuous process and the learning pattern and content need to move in tandem with the rapid changes happening in the financial sector. In the last two months, Government of India have introduced an array of new economic initiatives and most of these would have to be delivered by banks. Our staff must be prepared and ready to reach the benefits of these initiatives across the country. So no, training cannot be paused. It must go with the flow of work. Yes, very true, ma'am. So, during the COVID lockdown, what were the activities that SBICB has done, which you think will have a positive impact on workplace learning? Uh, I would like to highlight two things here, among many others that we have done. Compliance Assist, a booklet aimed at handholding our operating staff in dealing with COVID-related economic measures, was completed and launched in record time. We ran a series of webinars in our domain, which were received very enthusiastically by the participants. The webinars concentrated on both basic and advanced operational aspects built into smaller compact modules to enhance learning. Several other online learning initiatives, including webinars, are planned in the near future. That is very nice to hear. What are the new ideas that are coming in? I mean, how do you plan to reach out to our employees in the immediate future? Hari, here I would like to touch upon lessons from history. There was an article by Vikram Khanna in the Straits Times recently, Innovation in the Time of COVID-19. The author says, tectonic shifts in demand and supply spur the emergence of new technologies and changes in behavior. The time after the Great Depression gave us nylon, instant coffee. The dot-com bust saw the transformation of companies like Google and eBay. SARS inspired innovations in online e-commerce. And the global financial crisis of 2008 gave rise to asset-light business models like Airbnb and Uber. He further says that the last few months have triggered a tidal wave of innovation around the world, especially in the medical field, like drone-based thermal cameras, disinfecting robots, remote health monitoring systems, etc. Coming to education across the world and in India, we have seen that entire education systems from school to university have transitioned to remote teaching and learning. While e-learning has been here for some years now, we see digital or virtual learning taking a quantum leap at this time. Although I feel the chalk and talk teaching model will not totally lose relevance, Technology will be increasingly incorporated into pedagogy. We at SBICB have put our heads together to imagine ways in which we can use technology to reach out to our employees, like through webinars, live events, online quiz, e-newsletter, etc. The plans seem to be wonderful, but given the age profile of our employees and the place of posting sometimes being at the remotest corner of the country, does digital learning sound a bit too optimistic? <laughs> that our age profile and place of posting is an impediment in our progress or learning is a shibboleth which we really need to demolish. We have shown our mettle when we smoothly implemented universal computerization and shifted to core banking system. And now again, we are quite at home with the digital bank in the form of UNO. 
Our experience in the past two months has also belied this notion of our employees not being comfortable with online educational modes. We have had the most enthusiastic responses to our webinars. And there have been occasions when we had to schedule webinars on popular demand. So, what do you think is the future of institutional training? Would you vouch for a digital training like our digital presence in the banking sphere? Thank you for this question, Hari. Digital is a term close to my heart. I feel this is one model which will be increasingly used in days to come, be it in business or in learning. Often the digital or online model is derided as not being human enough or lacking in personal touch. This perceived lacuna is overcome in the digital model. In the digital model, we have the advantage of being continuously engaged with the employees. Maybe we will have to have a blended learning model where a significant part of learning transitions from the offline mode to the online mode to combine the best of both worlds. Smaller classroom modules could be run wherever there is a need for direct face-to-face -face interaction. Finally, ma'am, can you tell us of one learning initiative of SBICP that has been launched during the lockdown and which is innovative and has a wider reach? Uh, well, as you know, we are looking at webinars and podcasts as new modes of learning. In fact, uh, we are dramatizing these sessions to make learning more interesting and meaningful. Today, of course, we are launching this new initiative, SBICB on Air, a series of podcasts on various facets of banking aimed at making learning lucid and easy to understand. We are beginning this podcast with sessions on internal ombudsman, followed by banking ombudsman, COPRA, etc. These are easily accessible on the SBICB portal. And of course, it would be our privilege to receive feedback from our listeners. Many thanks, ma'am, for being on the show and sharing your views. Thank you, Hari. And happy learning to all my colleagues in the bank. Please keep in touch. Friends, we have just listened to a detailed discussion on various provisions of the Banking Ombudsman Scheme. The discussion enabled us to grasp the modalities involved in this regard. We shall now discuss the standard operating procedure prescribed by the bank for handling complaints made to the banking ombudsman. The process starts at LHO where the nodal officer or department will download the complaints made to the banking ombudsman on daily basis. Thereafter, the department will study the issues raised by the complainant in light of relevant internal guidelines on products and services, standards of delivery, customers' rights and obligations enshrined in RBI's master circular on customer service, and code evolved by BCSBI to identify the deficiencies, if any. This has to be done in two working days. The complaints will be forwarded to the home branch of the complainant, indicating deficient areas along with relevant heading and clauses of RBI's master circular and BCSBI code to facilitate easy understanding of the issue at the branch level. This has to be done within three days of receipt of the complaint. Any complaint to the banking ombudsman can result in the following scenarios. In the first scenario, where the deficiency is visible, contact the complainant and share with him or her the relevant provisions of product or service. Rectify the error and compensate complainant for the loss, if any suffered, 
as per bank's compensation policy without demur. The compensation will be sanctioned by competent authority within the financial power delegated to him or her. Assure complainant about bank's commitment to be fair and transparent in all its dealing. If feasible, obtain letter of satisfaction and send advices to the Office of Banking Ombudsman through nodal officer requesting for closure of complaint. Branch concern to do the needful within seven working days. In second scenario, where no deficiency is visible, contact the complainant and hold a meeting with him or her in an amicable environment. CMCS of the region has to be present in this meeting. Educate complainant about the relevant provisions contained in bank's internal guidelines, RBI's guidelines, and standards of the BCSBI code. Reply to all queries patiently and in a pleasing manner. Focus purely on satisfactory resolution of the complaint, overlooking unrelated petty irritants which may crop up during course of discussion. Genuinely hope that the complaint will be resolved by your sincere efforts in clarifying doubts or lack of information or knowledge of relevant provisions in place and that complainant will be satisfied and withdraw the complaint. Send reply touching each point raised in the complaint in a tabular form to LHO for onward submission to Office of the Banking Ombudsman. Branch concern to do the needful within seven working days. Third scenario where there is no deficiency in transaction but the customer is unhappy about the manner it has been handled. Examples say recovery of account maintenance charges, folio charges of previous years debited to the customer's account without notifying, compounding of problems due to return of check following the bulk application of charges. In this scenario, hold a meeting with customer for an amicable resolution of the issue. This may lead to one of the following two situations. First one, if the customer is not ready to take a complaint back and the amount involved is very small. In respect of situation, it would be advisable to refund the amount rather than to pursue the cause. Normally, Office of the Banking Ombudsman in such cases do not question the levy of charges. The only issue remains here is as to why the customer was not advised prior to debit of these charges. And the second one, where the amount involved is large and the branch manager apprehends similar complaints from other customers in the event of refund of charges resulting into the loss of branch profits, a reply defending the recovery of charges of previous years may be sent to banking ombudsman through nodal officer. While as in respect of this situation, if defended properly, such cases are most likely to be decided in bank's favor. However, in the event of recovery of charges having resulted in return of a check and the payee of the check has initiated action against the drawer under section 138 of NI Act, Please take immediate steps to clarify the position of the complainant before the holder of the check and settle the issue at the branch level rather than pursuing it with the office of the banking ombudsman. In case of SMS charges related issue, contact the complainant and educate him or her about benefit of such services against mega charges. Take request for discontinuation of service if, even after explaining to him or her the benefit of this service, the latter is not inclined to avail of the service except for ATM services where it is mandatory on the part of the bank to send SMS alerts for transactions through ATM. Amount already charged may be refunded to complainant in view of the time and efforts required to defend it. 
branch concern to do the needful within seven working days. ATM complaints form a significant portion of the complaints made to banking ombudsman. In case of ATM complaints, please follow the SOP advice in respect of ATM complaints and kindly ensure to have adequate CCTV backup. Please ensure that the replies to the banking ombudsman are filed within specified dates and the banking ombudsman advisories are appropriately responded to. This brings to an end SOP prescribed under Banking Ombudsman Scheme.